best to stay focused on the road ahead. Because if you spend too much time looking down, you might just end up with a crick in your neck. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot Episode Review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. I'm Ryan Gemmel. Here in studio. That's right. And today we're reviewing episode six, that's 2.4 in robot language, Master Slave. Directed by Sam Esmail, this time written by Adam Penn. This is the first time this season you've seen him credited for the writing, however. He has been story editor and co-producer for all previous season two episodes. He's also done Oz, Nip Tuck, American Horror Story, and The People vs. O.J. Hmm. Which American Horror Story? The bad ones or the good ones? I don't know. I think he's done quite a few episodes, actually. Oh, okay. Cool. IMDb gave this a 9.8. And it's... What was it last time? Do you remember? 9.7? I have it on yeah, my I feel like it was 9.7. It was somewhere yeah. close to that. It's receiving pretty consistent. I believe it got 100% again on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, they love Dude, it. Rotten Tomatoes is like, we hate Suicide Squad. We love Mr. Robot. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 23% in Suicide Squad. Did you see it? No, I not yet. It. I haven't seen it either. But uh, I heard it wasn't that bad. I actually got a really good review from someone saying that the Harlequin-Joker relationship was really... Good, uh, more like the animated series. So it was an authentic relationship. Yeah, I, I too heard that was the best part, but that there was not enough of it. Yes. Right. Even uh, what's his name? The actor, the sexy Jared Leto, man. like the sexy man. Yeah, came on and said, "Where are all my scenes?" Yeah. Oh, so, they cut a lot a of lot. his. Oh, he wow. filmed throughout the entire movie. Really? And then I guess didn't know until they saw the screening how much they'd taken out. Oh man, that sucks. So he's Oof. pissed. Well, they're also high on Game of Thrones, so at least they yes. like what we like. Right. <laughs> um, also, as far as the past viewership, episode four had 0.64 million viewers, and episode five went back up to 0.71. Now, this does not include the DVR and all the post viewership because those statistics are not available yet online. But we'll go through that at the end of uh, Listen, our I wish I, two. I wish we had those numbers. Yeah. Shit. We're going to start with a new thing for our episodes. We're going to give you our top questions to be hopefully answered or at least touched upon throughout the course of this episode. For episode six, 
Number one, where in the world is Tyrell? It's a common question. You yeah. Elliot asked it. In trunk. <laughs> Number two, are Elliot's scenes in this episode a dream? And I mean the ones other than the very first obvious not to reality <laughs> sequence mm-hmm. that we get. Uh, is he in an institution? This is something we've been talking about a lot lately. Right. Is it a dream sequence before when he's getting beat up, when he's getting pulled out of his bed, right? Yeah, in the not hospital is right. what I'm calling yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and who asked that? That was... Uh... Yes, that is semi-credited to one of our clatchers, Michelle, who we will get back to you later, Michelle, to read your full comment. Nice. Thank you for your question. And number three is, what are our power players and games? So we're talking Mr. Price, White Rose. Angie. You know, we don't really know where she's going with her stuff. Yeah, and the Dark Army, which gets yeah. thrown in with White Rose. But uh, we see that that's also a topic here in this episode. Could we say White Rose and China <laughs> I know, in right? general? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So stay tuned. We'll be going over all of that in our synopsis section. Before getting into our notes, I just wanted to give you guys a quick quote from Sam Esmail in USA that I thought was interesting. We've mentioned a few times how Esmail had originally envisioned this as a feature film production and then adapted it for TV. So he said, for shows that are hyper-serialized, it just seems to make more sense to follow a feature film model than to follow a television model, which was set up more for a procedural type show. When USA heard about this, his plan to kind of produce it in this way, they said, it was definitely risky and ambitious to arrange the schedule, but it seemed like the process that was going to best support him. So after much discussion, we agreed to it. Their one caveat? He'd have to have all the episodes written before the cameras ever rolled, a true rarity on any series. The result is an incredibly tight, intricately planned production schedule. Wow. Yay, USA. I mean, that takes some balls to just say, all right, we're going to try this this different thing. Yeah, I mean, developing, producing, directing, writing, this guy. For just this season? Or (laughs) not the entire series, right? You know, I don't know if that extends back to season one. Right. I think he must have proposed this to him to them from the get-go. I know he did, but I didn't think he had every episode all Well, he flushed. wasn't directing it. Right. Yeah, it was a little more split last season. The right. first couple of episodes in this one, he was really doing everything. Yeah. But, I and mean, it shows with all the intricacies he puts into the episode, all the little hints. There's a sign... And I don't know if we're probably going to talk about it later in the episode. That's a IP address. And if you go to the IP address, you open up a telnet session and you can talk. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, this is all stuff he's got. And then he's got to prepare to get someone to make that happen so that we can find it later on. Tom was telling me today that they had this deep, deep hack where you have found something in an episode and it brought you to this one screen and it had blinking lights. And you found out that the blinking lights were Morse code and the Morse code brought you to... Uh, another site and you had to oh, figure geez. this other thing out and you get a free hoodie out of it. I'm like, after wow. all that, you should get a job <laughs> working for Mr. Robot as you know a technical assistant. What was this website? I don't know. I, I didn't get all that information. He was just telling me about it. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's all. I just got it right before I came in here, so I didn't really have a chance to, to look it good. up. <laughs> well, Jay, you had something else on S-Mail, too, yeah, didn't you? I mean, he's, he does all that work, and he's still on Twitter. So I'm often on our Twitter, which is at CKC Podcast, and I was looking at Sam S-Mail's tweets. He's, he's on there every Wednesday, mm. all day. And he got me really excited. He tweeted, uh, to our streaming viewers, you should watch tonight's episode live with the commercials. This one in particular. Trust me on this. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) So right then I knew something was going to be different. Then later he tweeted, do not, capitals, miss tonight's episode. It's our best one to date. It also features one of my favorite guest stars. (laughs) I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then Mr. Robot Official, they tweeted, keep spreading the word. Our numbers are growing, but we still have work to do. So I think that they're noticing that their numbers are lower than normal, which is just so weird. So, oh. Yeah, they're very responsive, though, it seems like, to everything that's occurring around their show. The other thing Tom was telling me about was that last week there was a hum sound or some weird noises going through and someone went on reddit and is like my boyfriend's a sound engineer and he put those sounds into a computer and got the i don't even know the he got uh like the hexadecimal kind of thing from it or and turned that into a picture file and it was a yeah picture hexadecimal of, colors yeah it, it turned it into a cat the cat uh, motivational poster <laughs> saying hang in there and i think that was to us to hang in there. That's amazing. <laughs> but Tom, thank I don't you for be- finding that. I don't believe that that was a sound engineer's girlfriend saying that. I think that was uh, someone, someone working for yeah. the show because I just don't see anyone being that, like, oh, those sounds, let me take them, strip away any uh, voiceovers that's happening at the time and see what it turns into. Yeah, and how do like you find a hexadecimal number out of it? I don't understand Hexadecimal numbers, so... Uh, it's it's uh, the RGB for computers, how they read colors. Mm. So it's a six-number code. Code, I guess you would say. So uh, it could be letters as well. Right. Because FFF. Yeah. In code, you can say FFF or FFFFF. But what is it? That's black. That's black. There's a hexadecimal, but then there's also like actual, there's something else that goes... If you're well, I know from looking at uh, like a Wireshark image, you can find stuff in there and kind of strip away the hexadecimal code. But there's another series of code that it uses all ASCII characters. Like if you put an image into a made it a notepad or like a doc file, yeah, you would see like all these letters and different things. Oh, and that okay. equals out into the actual picture. So um, maybe it was that that, that he, code. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what he did. <laughs> Crazy. So uh, Sam Masmel tweets, and I saw that he was retweeting or speaking to fans. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to him via our Twitter, and you helped me out. It was a very, it was very psychological. I was like, let's sound smart. So <laughs> let's have Christina make sure Christina's typing, and he didn't write back. So. Uh. Well, a lot of build I mean, up there, a, Jason. <laughs> a, it wasn't it wasn't crazy clever. It was a pretty obvious question, but about Elliot's psychological state, 
B, if he were to answer it, he would probably give away the show. Yeah. So perhaps he just (laughs) didn't want to do that. It's not that technical. Okay, Ryan, do you know what DTD means? DID means? DID. I feel like I read something about it, uh, but did? No. (laughs) (laughs) We we talked about it on a podcast once. Um, Dissociative identity disorder. Uh, It's it's the new MPD, multiple personality Uh, disorder. That's what it was. So we asked him. Done with MPD? Yeah, you know me. The more recent episode seemed to show us that Elliot had started developing his personality in adulthood. Mm -hmm. However, in a lot of cases, this is not exclusive to childhood, but in a lot of cases, this type of disorder begins in childhood with some type of major trauma. So are we to now believe that was not the case for him? Mm -hmm. It didn't start with the trauma in childhood, getting pushed out of the window or going to the hospital or any of that stuff. It was before that? Or Seems like it was after that, after way that. after okay. that, which is a little bit surprising. But anyway, let's jump into our episode. We have a lot of notes to go over before our synopsis. First, we have about the origin of the title. In computing, a master is a computer that causes action by one or more slave devices, typically peripherals. The master has unidirectional control over its slaves. The most common place of these is the connection between a desktop computer, a master, and the printer, a slave, which is attached to it. I remember uh, just master and slave stuff from when you'd put multiple hard drives in a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least this is how it used to be. You'd have to change the circuits so on the back of the hard drive so that uh, you would put it as a master and one as the slave or else... It, the computer would get confused about which one it was going to first. Hmm. So, hmm. well, and this is a theme that's going to have a lot of metaphorical meaning in this right. episode as well, right? I mean, there's obviously computer ties, but uh, the true meaning of it is from Ray's point of view later on. Mm-hmm. And we also have the extension .aes in this episode identifies files encrypted by open source. AES Crypt software, which features advanced encryption standards. There was also a few tech notes that they went over throughout the course of the episode. One was that Darlene was using something on her computer called Kali Linux. Yeah, so her Mm -hmm. desktop wallpaper had the logo. It's a dragon. Right. It's a Kali Linux. And then she was utilizing the software. Mm -hmm. So we looked it up. Kali Linux is a Debian based Linux distribution aimed at advanced penetration testing and security auditing. Kali contains several hundred tools aimed at various information security tasks, such as penetration testing, forensics, and reverse engineering. If you guys want to check it out, go to Kali, K-A-L-I dot org. It's a cool website. Uh, it also goes on to say, Kali Linux is an open source project that is maintained and funded by Offensive Security, a provider of world-class information security training, and penetration testing services. In addition to Kali Linux, Offensive Security also maintains the Exploit Database and the free online course, Metasploit Unleashed. Hmm. I got in trouble at work for using Metasploit. Our security picked up. I just downloaded and installed it on a virtual machine. What is it? 
I was doing it for school, so I didn't really get to play with it too much because I got to find out right away. But uh, <laughs> it usually use it for testing uh, viruses and stuff like that. You can, it's like a, like a playground for that, so you can mm-hmm. use it. Why? How did they find it? They saw it on the network and network traffic. It oh, came shit. up on our um, one of the systems saw that there was this activity going on, and it was red flagged. So. Was it under your name too? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, it was it was for one of my classes, so okay. they talked about it. So I was just seeing checking what it, it out. Yeah, I was just installing and seeing what it was. Uh, fun note before we move on: their logo is a dragon. Yes. And it's called Kali Linux. Game of Thrones, Khaleesi, anybody? <laughs> well, we're getting dragons a lot recently throughout these yeah, episodes as well, so that could be a theme. Yeah, but it's Kali, Khaleesi. Uh, you're stretching it there. It's not true. It's not GOT anymore. Okay, there's other <clears throat> tech notes, two others that were more confusing. I had to look them up to learn a bit more about them. Mobley is teaching Angie to use something called OpenWRT. This is a Linux distribution for embedded devices. So instead of trying to create a single static firmware, this provides a fully writable system with package management. Basically, it allows you to fully customize it. They also talk about their fail-safe, which employs the Mimi Cats exploit. I have never even heard of such a thing. It's a post-exploitation tool written by a man named Benjamin Delpy. So a lot of times after the initial exploitation phase, attackers or hackers may want to get a firmer foothold in the computer or the network. Um, Doing this requires a set of complementary tools. Mimikatz is an attempt to bundle together some of the most useful tasks that attackers will want to perform. So here's your toolkit, pretty much. We talked about that last season. Uh, What would be an Elliot's hacker toolkit? Yeah. Did you see that underneath the uh, OpenWRT, there's like a mixed drink Mm -hmm. recipe (laughs) down there? Yeah, it's that weird image you're talking about, right? It's not. It's just it says it under there and under open. It says a third shot of Kahlua in a shot glass. Layer Kahlua, third shot of Bailey's on the bottom, then Bailey's, uh, third shot of vodka, then vodka. Yeah, what's on top of it? Top Bus- of the letters. It says BusyBox, uh, oh. built-in shell, enter help for list of built-in commands, and then open word, wireless freedom, backfire, and then the shot, the the mixed drink recipe. <laughs> what are you looking at right now? I'm looking at the screen the that she open was typing WRT. in. Oh, nice. That was, yeah, the thing that... They were trying to teach Angie to use it. Okay. Oh, and I, have a lot of, I got a lot of issues with this. Oh, we will <laughs> get we'll to talk that. About later, Don't worry. But. Yeah. <laughs> this was very confusing to me because so quickly they went through t- trying to teach her this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were building up to this moment and it happened so fast. And if you're someone like me that doesn't know a lot of tech things, yeah. it got way too confusing and overwhelming. Because I was like, I have no idea what's going on right now, what they're talking about. So I had to do a little bit of research later just to educate myself. We have one other quick note. One of Darlene's passwords that you see is Joshua, Mm -hmm. which is a nod to the computer in War Games. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. shit. All right, now we have our music notes. There were quite a few good ones for this episode. The first, probably the most notable, is the theme song that they actually developed for our fun little introduction that we'll talk about later. The song is called Imagine a World Gone Insane by Bennett Salve and Jesse Frederick. You will know these two people because they compose theme songs for Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers, and Step by Step. 
Perfect people to devise a theme yes. song for yeah. this. The whole TGIF sitcom theme songs. Number two is Celebration by Cool and the Gang. This played during the Great Loan commercial. Number three, Gowan, Gowan, I have no idea. By the Sufferers, it plays while Darlene sets up and Angie heads to the bathroom. That's and a great then, song. Yeah, during I love those that intermediate, song. they played it a couple of times. Yeah, it was really. They played it throughout that whole scene. It was very uh, action oriented. Like, uh, it, it seemed like it was going to be a montage song of all this mm-hmm. stuff that they were going to yeah. do. <laughs> this one was funny. I didn't even pick up on it until later. Dear Mama by Tupac. <laughs> played do you remember when Mobley was trying to exploit this FBI man when Angie was talking to him and she got yeah, a little yeah. bit stuck and so they put this bogus call into his phone from his mom oh okay quote unquote so they played that so dear mama was playing oh that's funny and finally you have Guiding Light the TV song which played during the flashback after Mr. Robot picks up Elliot from school for getting into a fight nice oh here's another thing about Tom <laughs> And he he asked a question to Sam Esmail on Reddit because he said that it uh, last was it last week's episode with Green Day or the week before? I two think weeks it was ago. Two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. He was like, "Oh, this episode also included he." I think it was something like, "This is my favorite Esmail, my favorite episode of the season so far." He was saying about this one, and then he's like, uh, "Tom said something like, I don't know if we can trust you.' You also said that." Uh, uh, that episode two weeks ago contained your, one of your favorite songs and you never told us what it was. And then he wrote him back and he's like, oh, it was Green Day's uh, cover of Basket Case that they oh, did nice. in that. So. That was my favorite song too so far. So great. He talk, He writes Tom back. Yeah, but not you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not asking the important questions. <laughs> okay, and finally we have two episode notes. One... A topic of discussion that we'll get more into later was Alf. Of course, we see him. There was a 1986 episode on the road again playing on a TV in the background where Alf says, call the newspapers, democracy is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what's his, the other guy said that we're like, I think Alf said that we're going to put a vote to that. And he's like, you're not voting on that. And that's what he says. <laughs> democracy is dead. <laughs> So also, as everybody noticed, Elliot's dream in this episode, the opening sequence, features several parodies and homages, including sitcoms of the mid-80s to early 90s, in addition to USA Network's Up All Night program and ABC's TGIF block. It also features the very first USA Network logo and slogan, America's favorite cable network. So cool. That that whole sitcom opening sequence, first of all, Mm -hmm. loved it. I was yeah. geeking oh, was out, great. It was and amazing. then I started. Yeah. I started like tweeting or uh, texting Jamal, and then I realized and I was me, missing it, and you, and, and you I weren't was watching. So it. pissed off because I couldn't watch it yet. I have to wait until the episode's over in order to watch it. I felt like a little kid. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I actually kind of wanted it to be the entire episode or most of it. I was having so much fun with it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, but then I was like, okay, by the like, I started to get a little tired of it by the end. But I, I enjoyed it. I was like, let's get back to the story. I say nay. Nay. No? Yeah, you just okay. wouldn't I was watch the whole thing. It was like feel that. good moments. <laughs> it was making me remember the nineties. Yep. Like this show often does. And I thought it was just a perfect length. Right. Honestly. Um it wasn't too long. Sam listens to this dude. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but how did they come up with that? Like this what what made them say, let's just throw this sitcom 
portion, this would be the perfect episode. Yeah, well, first of all, I think they know their audience, right? Yes. So they, they knew who they were trying to appeal to with this stuff. Second of all, there was so much darkness happening. When they took Elliot away at the end of last episode, mm-hmm. I almost didn't want to watch anymore. I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see him getting the shit kicked out of him and thrown into a cell somewhere. Mr. Robot touches on that several times throughout the sequence. I am taking you away from the worst yes. of it. So we're still going to put in all of these horribly dark moments that we will talk about in this sequence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in this dark. funny sitcom type of way that it's not going to hurt so much or great on the viewers. It'll it's go down track. easier. The exactly. left track is what made it light. And Harry, oh, of course, like uh, and the music, strokes, a bunch <laughs> and the of corny things. jokes. Yeah, there was a couple things that we'll yeah. talk about. So this grew out of Sam stepping into the writer's room. I got this from Vulture.com, by the way, and posing a pretty simple question: If Mr. Robot were to protect or shield Elliot from the pain of the real world, what would that physically look like? What makes up Elliot's happy place? For many of us in the writer's room, especially Sam. The classic American sitcom stands out as a sort of mental comfort food. Life may be chock full of pain, tragedy, and anxiety, but families like the Tanners of Full House or the Winslows of Family Matters were there every Friday night figuring things out together. So it's his, it's his comfy place, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many of us who grew up in the 90s and late 80s love this because we were excited this was so different. We weren't expecting it. And we got that comfortable feeling of being a kid, not realizing that life sucks <laughs> and, and having like growing up to these families that yeah, were part these, of us. These were like the quintessential families. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So in addition to the sitcom jokes, the laughter reel, you also had the line deliveries where there are funny things, even when it's approaching dark matter. You had just the color saturation of seeing everything, the way that it looks, the old school feeling, the way they're dressed. Darlene was wearing a bandana and a candy necklace. You'll remember that 90s people. And the small throwbacks such as seeing the Game Boy on screen. Yeah, those are all things that, I mean, I used to play my Game Boy all the time, too. Uh, my mom bought it for me when it first came out. She saw it in the store. She's like, oh, what is this? She's like, it's a portable video game system. I'm like, oh, my son will love this. And then I just played Tetris and Mario for hours and oh, who hours didn't? and hours. The beginning of the the craze that everyone's yeah. doing now. But I, I love that Sam, I mean, it's another Fight Club reference, the happy place that he talks about. Because in Fight Club... Ed Norton is getting his hand burned by acid and he goes to his happy place. Brad That's Pitt right. pulls him out of it and he's like, don't go to a happier place. Here is where you're supposed to be right now. And Feel it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. Another great homage to. Speaking of which, did Darlene get burned by her mother? Did mm-hmm. the mom put a cigarette yeah, out cigarette on her at one point? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I knew she punched her, but I missed, somehow I missed the part where she yeah. did that. And um, I read about it later. <laughs> Uh, Elliot had his 90s haircut, kind of like uh, a whitish style of kid and play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the square screen, even the commercials were in that. The, yeah, Hurry Candy necklace. Yeah. That was hilarious. Cigarettes were $1.76 a pack. <laughs> yep. You started out with the old school USA intro. That mm-hmm. was the big thing for it to come up on the screen. Uh, they talked about Word Up Wednesdays. Elliot's in the back of the convertible with Darlene. The parents are driving in the front. Right away, you're thinking, what is this? Sunday morning driving? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, old Ford Mustang, 
Yeah, I'd, that's my least favorite Mustang. The next oh, really? <laughs> I hate that one. But it starts up very quickly. Mr. Robot says, that boy of ours, he needs help. Mm -hmm. So it's a surprise wherever they're going. He's not telling them. But he says it's a place that makes everything better, a place that changes you. He asks Elliot about Angela, whatever happened to that mm -hmm. girl. And it's at this point that we realize someone is locked in the trunk. We hear the banging. Mr. Robot also says his cancer is acting up and holds up his hand to the screen. So oh again, God. these dark it. things. Yeah. He and coughs, there's blood on his hand. It's just like, oh, it's just acting up, you know, no big deal. Laugh track. When Elliot brings up somebody being in the trunk, they tell him he's hearing voices, that if he's not careful, dad will push him out the window again. Mm -hmm. So here's our first kind of tip did this really happen or not <laughs> stay tuned for more mr robot after these commercial messages this is f society you have 24 hours to rate and review the coffee clutch crew podcast give us some ratings write a review in doing this you'll help us propel ourselves into the next level of itunes dominance once we are there, we will be able to take out all the banks. Take out the banks. With the abundance of cash flowing through, and we'll be able to buy cash money. a pack of gum. Thank you for listening. Tonight on USA's Up All Night, grab your popcorn. It's the careful massacre of the bourgeoisie. It all begins tonight at 11 on USA Network. Darlene plays the Game Boy. Mom puts the cigarette out on her arm when she won't turn it off. And Mr. Robot says, on this journey of life, it's best to stay focused on the road ahead. Rami's acting is awesome in this yes. scene. He, he's playing it. I mean, he has to play it so straight. But it, it's great to just... Because his real life isn't like any of those sitcoms. And if you were transported into it, everyone's life is much darker than that. They've all got these issues going on. Issues where they would talk about them, but it was always very light-hearted yeah. that it was going and very easily solved all the problems, it <laughs> seemed like. Yeah, and if you were the one person that got thrown into this situation and nobody else is responding normally, you see that starting to build in him throughout the course of the sequence. What is wrong with everybody? Yeah. Somebody tell me what's happening. Before we get too far, you have the 90s sitcom music introduction where we get to meet all of our characters. Yes. Gideon is alive, reading about his death in the newspaper. <laughs> I love Angie. She, like, cracks me up. <laughs> her crying, She's, then trying yeah, to smile. Her crying, crying and then again. she does that turn and look at and stare into the camera, yeah. and it's supposed to be, like, the... Like pose. I actually and thought then, that was horrible. I know she I was trying it. to play to the like cheesy, but it, she just did not do it very well. Oh, I thought she did it great. I thought she was like crying oh, and look and like the it. the turn and look in, but she's supposed to be. It's such a dark place that she's supposed to be, and yeah. like this is the part that they show to introduce her to the entire. Yeah audience of the show i watched oh, it again and it, it looked really good the second time oh yeah because i saw yeah. her change from that to trying to smile and then right. the pain it, yeah it was just a down. little too much i didn't think she hit it right but then you got darlene making out with her boyfriend through the window of, <laughs> of the room very classic of, of shows back then you've got mr robot at the hospital getting his checkup 
And then you finally get special guest star, man in the trunk, in mm-hmm. quotes. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, in that part where it said special guest, mm-hmm. th- that's where they freeze-framed on the trunk. So obviously that's where the special guest is. But then I also got a good look at the license plate. And I don't know if this is something, if it means something, but if Sam would put something in, this would be a spot. Mm-hmm. So the license plate number is VN470I. We're recording this the next day, so I haven't had time to really dig deep to see if that means anything. Mm-hmm. So that's a call out to you guys listening. You know, this could be nothing. But if you know what this could mean, let us know. Email us at contact at Coffee Clats Group or Twitter at CKC Podcast. Yeah, we get a shot of the family from back when in Coney Island. And finally, we stop at a gas station. We see that it says E-Mart. Uh, the mom goes ahead and punches Darlene in the face. She's smoking her cigarettes the whole time. And Elliot goes to open up the trunk. He needs to know. This is when we finally get to see Tyrell. He's tied up. He's got the... He's an important businessman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that later when he starts going on about that. Well, and Mr. Robot doesn't want him looking at that. He closes the trunk up and they go inside. This is where they run into Alf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great moment. And, uh, I mean, again, it just tickled my, the child in me. I was like, oh, my God. High and the four. same voice. Give me four. Yeah. <laughs> and you, I was like, how did Alf, how did they get the ability to have Alf? The rights for that, yeah. And fortunately, Paul Fusco, the original creator of the Alf character, was a huge fan of the show and was excited to be part of it. When they had fun things thrown in there, like beer was only $1.50. dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the best parts is when you see Angie working there. She's got the uniform on, and she says, it almost makes up for them killing my mom. I didn't know you worked here. Well, I started as a part-time sales associate. Then they promoted me to assistant manager. Now I'm on pace to be full manager. It almost makes up for them killing my mom. Because they're moving her up in the company. She's going from like... All these parallels are amazing (laughs) to what's going on in the real storyline. I don't want to breeze over that because I think that's pivotal. Right. They're making light of it because of the sitcom situation. But if you break down and simplify what she's doing, Mm -hmm. it pretty much is. Like I was just a regular worker. Then they promoted me and now they're going to promote me again and it kind of makes up for everything well right. that's that's exactly what i'm saying but though, this is, is all from no well this is all from rami actually like actually when you think it's from rami's point of view in a sense or as mr robot letting him think that or making this scenario this is all in his head still Right. So we don't necessarily know if that's what she's thinking. But yeah, my point was that they are addressing these dark things. They are not just going on a sidebar, let's have fun and go to a 90s throwback. This is everything that's happening on the show. They're still handling these dark issues. In fact, I think they went more head on at it in this sequence than they have so far in this season in one big chunk. And they were able to do that because it was in a fun, light, seemingly kind of jokey type of way. Right. It starts to change. You know, there's small moments throughout the course of the sequence, like when we hear the banging on the trunk, this next part where the parents start to rob the food and put it in bags, and Andy tries to stop them, and the mom pepper sprays her. (laughs) Um, Elliot tries to stop the whole thing, but Mr. Robot says, you can't worry about her anymore, son. So there's another... she's one of them now. Yep. No, she's my friend. 
is that a wink wink like I'm sure it has to be from Mr. Robot's uh, from Mr. Robot's point of view. Well, he, yeah, he's got to be saying that we can't trust her anymore. But does that mean Elliot's going to have to make that kind of decision? Well, we don't actually? know. I mean, we don't know that yet. That's just there's they're they're not I wouldn't call it foreshadowing. It's just something I think Mr. Robot is saying you have to worry about with her. Next, we get back in the car. Elliot sees himself in the mirror getting beat. Then they get a flat tire. Mr. Robot goes to change it, and you see Tyrell again. Elliot grabs Mr. Robot and tells him he wants to know what's happening here, but the cops pull up behind them. Now we take a second for a commercial break, and this is really great. It's a bunch of old commercials that they put together. The first is E-Corp Online, and they're talking about a 28K connection with a plug-in modem, Mm -hmm. which looks very much like AOL. You have the Bud Light commercial where the dog's jumping through the flaming hoop on the bar. The USA Up All Night, which, by the way, is playing the Careful Massacre movie. Yes. And the E-Corp still on your side. That E-Corp 28K commercial. Mm-hmm. At the end of this episode that we're recording, I have a little uh, fun Easter egg to talk about with that. Oh, nice. So, yeah, the cop gets out and it's Gideon which was a very interesting moment because Mm -hmm. then Alf drives up in his own car, hits the cop car, and when he's pulling away, he runs over Gideon and kills him. (laughs) I just love that Gideon comes and he's like, you haven't seen a band of miscreants with a a kidnapped CEO or not, I don't forget what he said, or vice VP or something Mm -hmm. like that. I I thought it was great. (laughs) Well, what was awesome about the way they structured this, so we know who we think killed Gideon in the show, which was kind of a nameless, faceless person. But we don't really know who's behind that still to this moment. Right. So by having Alf do it, you still haven't given anything away. I think it does give something away. Because I always wondered if Mr. Robot had set up this whole scenario. And I kind of feel like this kind of says that it wasn't him. The way that it went down. That he doesn't, that it wasn't, there wasn't a dark... A do- not a darkness. It was. I mean, it was Alf that did it. It was like an so accident. It wasn't. It wasn't something that Mister Robot put in action. You know, like if it was Mister Robot that had accidentally killed him, mm-hmm. then you could be like, well, then maybe Mister Robot did have him killed. But mm-hmm. because it was some an unknown character, an alien mm-hmm. character, that it wasn't actually Mister Robot. Yeah, that's definitely what we think is inferred by this, although it is still very confusing, this whole sequence. But I think we do learn a lot. The next part is where the trunk pops open and Tyrell actually gets out and tries to start hopping away. This is where you said he starts saying, I'm a very important businessman, help me. (laughs) I love that he just runs into the green screen. (laughs) Yep, he just hits that wall, falls falls backwards. Um, Elliot starts to freak out at this point. He wants to know why he took him. He starts yelling at him and saying, is he the only one that's not crazy? Um, He wants Mr. Robot to acknowledge it. And at this point, Robot says not to, that believing it's real makes it so. So he puts Tyrell back in the trunk. Elliot says, this is all a lie. The whole thing, the whole world. And Mr. Robot says, sometimes lies can be useful. They protect you. When the truth is painful, and it often is, a lie is the only remedy. Too much honesty will kill you. And this might be good, good message for Elliot. 
He says the whole place is a lie, nothing is true, and that his gut tells him not to trust Robot. But he says, why doesn't Elliot just try going along with it? This whole thing is here to help him, in fact. And this is when we start learning, really, what the whole sequence is about. Elliot thinks it's that Mr. Robot has won, that he's completely taken over, uh, and that he'll be buried here. But Mr. Robot tells him it's just temporary, that they always had a destination in mind. Yeah, I mean, well, there's an important thing in there also with uh, Tyrell. They put him in the trunk, and then he's talk. They're talking about how a, a lie can help you, mm-hmm. and he can. It, it can also help you cope with murder. Yes, that that's a little foretelling. I mean, if I'm gonna say that it wasn't Mister Robot that put Gideon in the line of fire because it wasn't an event that he did, Mister Robot kills. Tyrell in the trunk with a tire iron in this next sequence. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that Tyrell's still alive, but I think this is a pretty big sign that he's dead through by Mr. Robot's hand. It seems to be, and mm-hmm. this entire sequence is just as he says to keep the really, really dark things from Elliot so that he won't have to deal with them. And we know that when we see Elliot's point of view of things, the whole reason he's created this Mr. Robot persona and split his personalities is because he's not able to deal with the darker acts, the deeds that he's done as Mr. Robot, such as perhaps commit murder. Yeah. I was really hoping that he wasn't dead, though. Yeah, me too. But that opens up so many more questions, which we, due to time, we're not going to get too deeply into it. But mm-hmm. who is contacting Tyrell's wife? Right. Yeah, we had talked about that a little bit last episode, that it could be somebody trying to bring her out in the open like the FBI and trick her into thinking it's Tyrell. There was something very weird about that silver baby rattle that she got sent, almost mm-hmm. like it was a fake gift. Um, so, yeah, I think there's got to be more to it. And the bottom line is that Mr. Robot is trying to help Elliot. And then who is who Tyrell talked to Elliot on the phone. So what was what would that have been about if he is dead? If it and was even real. We only know of two people that Elliot sees. Leon, we're not sure about, I guess. He could be really could not be real. But we yeah. know Mr. Robot he talks to and he talks to us. Mm hmm. And I know we've talked about super ego and ego and the id. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're supposed to be Elliot's super, his super moral ego. compass. Yeah, you know? we are definitely And super he's ego. mad at us because we're not telling him how, what he's supposed to do. We see things happening and we're not guiding him at all. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just something that I was thinking about during the series. Yeah. No, I think absolutely if we play a role, no matter who it is that we actually are, that's our role in this whole thing yeah. to keep him on that track but we're absent. I mean, he sees us, we don't say anything. Yeah. Well, that would make sense of something like a conscience of if it is in fact God and all those other uh, propositions that we put forth. And in this scene, we see they do in fact arrive at the destination, which is the hospital, and that Mr. Robot has been trying to shield Elliot from something more, even than the dark deeds of the past and the things that he's not ready to deal with. He tells him after his beating, they got him to a doctor. He says, nobody's won anything, especially not me. I'm just trying to help you put it in the rear view as painlessly as possible. Now that the worst is behind you. Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. This is just temporary. 
we did always have a destination. After the beating you took, at least they got you to a doctor. You got yourself pretty messed up. If I were alive, I'd want no part of that agony. Nobody's won anything, Elliot. Especially not me. I'm just trying to help you put it all in the rear view as painlessly as possible. Bring her in, kiddo. Now that the worst is behind you, it's time we get you back. go back over to real life. We are in the not hospital, whatever this place is, where Elliot wakes up and the henchman comes to check in on him. Okay, so to sum this sequence up, this is Mr. Robot creating this atmosphere mm-hmm. based off the TV show that's in uh, running on the TV mm-hmm. in this not hospital. If you're thinking, well, why would Mr. Robot bring up all the shitty stuff if he's trying to you know, hide it from him? I think it's Mr. Robot fighting with his subconscious, Elliot's subconscious. Right. It's still Elliot. Of course. You know. Mm -hmm. So that part of his brain is trying to make it all sitcom-y and and fun. But Mm -hmm. his subconscious is is bringing up, what about this? What about Tyrell? What about... He's fighting against it the entire time. Yeah. yeah, By bringing up that stuff, I don't think he's just trying to to shield him or make it okay. He, this is part of Elliot reintegrating these personalities. Mm-hmm. So starting from the chess game, we saw Elliot fighting it, fighting it, trying to break it down. They were actually trying to extinguish each other. Mr. Robot tried to shoot him in the head. <laughs> Elliot tried to win the competition against him. Last episode, we finally get to a place where they've made some kind of peace and they're trying to come back together. This episode, in the subconscious of him sleeping or actually being unconscious in real life, they're trying to work it out Mm -hmm. deep in his psyche. And so I've said multiple times, the only way that's going to happen is if Elliot's able to start accepting some of the things that he's done when acting as the persona of Mr. Robot, which is dark shit that he hasn't been ready to deal with. And that's why he split it off and compartmentalized it in his mind. So he's starting to get back to that. I think take it in piece by piece and in a way that's more palatable so he is able to deal with it. And later on, we'll see them, that it's actually working. Yeah. I liked in that scene how it ended with him also that Mr. Robot says, come here, bring it in. And he gives him a hug. And then later on, like, Elliot, I'm watching that whole time. I'm watching, like, to see if Elliot Elliot is going to hug back at Mm -hmm. all or if he's going to move. And he doesn't. Which I'm happy about because I haven't forgiven Mr. Robot for all the shit he's put through, you know, Elliot through so far. But uh, later on, we get kind of a callback to that because Elliot ends up hugging Mr. Robot. Yeah, and Jason didn't even believe that was happening in that later on scene. He's just like, oh, he just fell into him. And I think that's probably what we were all thinking because it's like, no way. He's actually (laughs) hugging him and accepting that part. But yeah. But he had to be. He struggled. He did. To get to stand up there, you know, that's how much it meant to him. 
and he was so weak. He yeah. really needed him in that moment. And we also see that Elliot does need Mr. Robot in times where he's weak mm-hmm. and he needs somebody to be strong. So back to being weak, we're in this crazy not hospital. Ray comes in again. He, he starts, was sitting there, though. He didn't walk. Well, in. yeah, we yeah. pan. We pan yeah. over to him. And he starts telling him this story about how his dog, Maxine, was taken to the vet. So we knew something was wrong with her last episode. We find out a mosquito gave her a massive case of heartworm. Um, it's really sad. And we did talk about how this could be kind of a turning point for Ray and snap something loose in him. We should extinguish all mosquitoes. We have the technology. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> When he makes this comment that he thinks the realization of the dog's life depending on somebody else, when Maxine realized that she needed people to feed her and keep her alive, that this might have killed her sooner than the parasites did, which is a great metaphor that he's trying to put forward to Elliot. And he says, there's big days ahead and work to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's following up kicking the crap out of him with a threat <laughs> it's great like yeah. he didn't threaten him at all he's just like well we're gonna beat the shit out of you yeah now i'm gonna threaten you <laughs> well, it was, he was really scary in this moment because yeah. wherever it is that elliot woke up and it's somewhere else i don't think this is the place that elliot's been the whole time because this place if it is in fact and he's been at this hospital, quote unquote. He's in a different area or we're seeing it clearly for the first time. I don't know. It looks horrible. Elliot looks horrible. And Ray just keeps becoming more and more sinister that you realize that Elliot's really got himself into some shit. Ray's an asshole. I don't think it's the same spot because they were outside. So it'd be easy for Ray to take him somewhere else. Yeah. And this place looks borderline abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. It really, but it could be it. I know it could be part of the same psychiatric ward where just if he's playing the psychiatric ward, they pull him out, and where they're really pulling him out of out of his room or out of his section Mm -hmm. into maybe a outside, maybe into the back, you know, like a out a a back door, and then just I think they on him, and then just bring him to the medical ward. Yeah, well, I think they've taken him. Obviously, I don't think we've been seeing things for what they really are from the beginning. But I think wherever Elliot was, some type of halfway house where there's other people and things going on was not great, but not terrible. I think they've now removed him to a place where they take problem people Mm -hmm. so that they could beat the shit out of him and have him recuperate and not die. And they've made a sort of makeshift room that has equipment that will keep him alive. And it also has another area where they can dump him into dungeon, a concrete right. dungeon if right. he's being uncooperative. Just a basement. I mean, um, something we didn't talk about yet. Elliot's face is oh, messed up. The up. makeup on that is amazing. Yeah. his eyeballs got that red ring. It yeah, was scaring it. me. Oof. I didn't want to look him in the eye. There's no poofiness though. And even but, when uh, he breathes, oh, it sounds like, like he's got a collapsed oh, lung. Yeah, yeah. like a broken rib <laughs> into yeah. his lung. Oof. But uh, I love Craig Ferguson, and I love yeah. that we uh, still refer to him as Ray and not as Craig Ferguson yep. because he has stopped being Craig Ferguson. Yes. He oh, is totally Ray. Mean. He's fantastic he's in this role. I, I can't believe how good he is in this. And I know he was always the bad guy, but I do think that uh, something about Maxine was tethering him to humanity, and that's gone now. Because yeah. he really seems to have crossed the line. Know. I think he might have been there. He had the other guy beat up, you know. 
before yes. this. He had him, you know, he but he is a businessman, you know, and you're fucking with his business. That's a good point, though, because I think before now he was able to sort of compartmentalize it. Right. And when you're engaging in such evil behaviors, I think that unless you're a total sociopath, and I don't think Ray is that, you do have mm. to do that. Yeah, there's something very <laughs> wrong with him, but I think you do have to compartmentalize. This is my business yeah. over yeah. here. Forget about the fact that it's human trafficking and whatever else. It's just business. Now, something is bringing him into this more active role with Elliot, and I think he wants to be there to see him suffer and to know, Elliot, that your life is in my hands now, mm -hmm. and take a look around you. Not very safe. Right. I, uh, along the lines of Craig being awesome, I, like I said, uh, I think last episode in our podcast, I wanted to like him right. so much, because when Cause he was a good guy, he was perfect for Elliot. Right. He was just what Elliot needed, but... Now I hate the dude. <laughs> and if you guys don't know Craig Ferguson's work that well, uh, instead of having you go, guys go watch movies that he's in, just Google Eastbound and Down outtakes, and you'll see him just laughing his ass off. Um, he, I've only seen him do comedy stuff before yeah. this. I mean, and he's he's hilarious in yeah. this stuff. I mean... He he play, he doesn't play like a goofy character mostly. He he can play a straight character, but like the like one liners this. are hilarious. And yeah. It's insane. So yeah. watch that. Just Google that. You'll laugh your ass off. But also it brings up this thing with Ray is what if this is a not what we're seeing, if this is some kind of institution, mm -hmm. what is Ray's role in this institution? How can he move around so freely? Yeah, well, that's why, and this is part of a Clatcher's comment later, but I think that she brought up, and I'd actually been thinking about it, and I guess hadn't really verbalized it. Um, in the beginning, I thought it was more like an institution or a prison, but I was starting to think it was a little more open than that, mm -hmm. um, like an outpatient center, and she says halfway house, and I think that really kind of hits on yes. it. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you do have a little bit more freedom as we've seen him have, and you would probably engage with a therapist. And I do think Ray is in some capacity in his day job doing that. Right. And that was a separate place from where they are now. And this is his side business where he makes all of his money. <laughs> but I wonder if he's got some kind of pull in the community too, where he can just do whatever he wants. Like when he talks to Leon and when he squashes that beef between Leon and the other guy, the basketball court, they both cower to him basically he comes yep. in with the ball and it is over yeah well if you think about it right if he is someone higher up in this halfway house and right. this is really sinister but he's gonna need a lot of people in his business to do jobs that he doesn't want to do right. bad jobs that most people would not want to get involved in but if you don't have much else left right um if you are somebody who is formerly incarcerated and mm -hmm. can't get a job now, somebody who's had a problem with drug addiction and is trying to get back on their feet, whatever the reason, you are coming out of this revolving door and you need a livelihood, and he offers you this position that's going to pay an ass load of money to do yeah. stuff that just don't ask any questions, much like with the IT guy, and we won't have any problems. So I think he's been recruiting people right. out of this yep. institution yeah. to do his work, and he's got a lot of leverage over everyone now. That's Say true. halfway house, not full house. No. <laughs> <laughs> it comes. Yes, and I'm going to read her full comment later, but again, that credit goes to Michelle, our, our listener. 
Okay, so we're going to get back into our synopsis and try to move quickly through the next couple of scenes. Um, real quick, we had a regular commercial break now, but mixed in with that was a Suits commercial. So yep, the, that was cool in a 90s fashion. For the actual fashion, show, but I missed yes. It. Oh, it. so good. Formatted like that. <laughs> you guys watch Suits, though. I haven't, I, don't, I haven't watched that yet. I watch Suits. How many seasons? Yeah, I don't. Uh, four or five. Okay. And then we go to our first scene of Angie's training. We see a news clip on the terrorist attack in Beijing. And Darlene is talking to Trenton. Trenton says that for somebody like Angela, learning all of this, in quotes, in 24 hours is next to impossible because they just started teaching her. Uh, it's Mobley that's going to be working with Angie. And he's telling her about this backup plan because they're trying to run the code and it's mm -hmm. not going very well. So he kind of says, well, yeah, yeah, you'll get it. But just in case, if you don't, we're going to use this thing called the rubber ducky. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You just plug mm -hmm. this USB into any laptop, wait 15 seconds, you won't get everything, but we might get some info that But that's help. totally different from what they're trying to do with the femme to sell, you know? Yes. So, <laughs> yes. But I just thought, I thought that was ridiculous. I thought his explanation was a little ridiculous. He, he says, oh, maybe it's better if you visualize what's happening. And then he basically explains to the audience what they're going to be doing. Yes. But he doesn't explain anything about the commands the, which she's Angie. having trouble with to putting putting in like and it's not the commands that she's putting in are not that complex i mean it's not that they're not complex in idea but what she has to write it's Isn't not wouldn't that be hard. that hard to memor right. memorize and i don't understand why she couldn't just write these things down on a piece of paper and, she's a smart and just girl. have them with him and yeah she's smart she should be able to get this uh, they've led you to believe one of two things either there's been uh, quite a few hours of training before this yeah. where she was learning all this other stuff and it was so much to take in that he thought, let's keep it simple. Right. Like just, you don't have to know everything that goes into it. Just here's what you got to put in there. Um, you're going to be really anxious when that moment comes. So even if it feels simple, you need to just be able to regurgitate it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, even for a lay person like me, I'm watching this going, I see what she's typing and I feel like I could do that a lot yeah. quicker and easier than she is. When you well, what about the pressure she's in? We're not, exactly. we're not putting that in. That's right, but I feel like him explaining exactly what they're doing is actually making more pressure. Like, well, yes. now what, we're, what you're actually doing is taking this device and it's going to intercept all the FBI... Oh, in case you forgot, this is the FBI that you're doing with. Yes. <laughs> you're going into an FBI-run level of your building, and you're going to install this huge device. And how, how, do you, how can you not feel like you're going to yeah, get caught? Yeah, but you know what? She's cold as ice now. Like, right. she's not even batting an eyelash at this. And well, I think she learned a little bit from Price, but... I think he throws the rubber ducky in there just so that she can feel better about, well, listen, if everything else fails and you can't get it done, we could still do this. And it won't be great, but it'll be something. The entire time that this, when it actually happens, though, mm -hmm. she's on the phone. Yes. With Darlene. So Which she didn't need any training because she, everything that she did, she yeah. lost her place. Oh, well, you have to type this in now. Right. They could have just done that the they entire time. They led you to believe that wasn't going to be anywhere near possible. That's why right. she had to be trained. I don't understand why not. She's got. She's talking to him the entire time. The entire in case, time. It well, was the in case she had to in hang In case up. something went wrong. 
in case I think the it signal been better. got disrupted or yeah. I think it would have been better if she wrote it down. Then there could have been this scene where she's like has the paper and she's got to figure out what to do with it really quick. Maybe she has to eat it or I don't know. I was going to say, then there'd be evidence. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she could, you know, if she's ingested, yeah, it's not going to come it. out. Sure. So, I mean, but that would be this thing, you know, like DePiro's coming or someone's coming and then she just eats it. Well, so. and I know they're going to get criticized for this because I know nothing about hacking or mm-hmm. anything related to this. But in listening to other podcasts and people talk about the show, part of what they've been missing so much this season is actually seeing hacking. Right. Like we got a lot of that in season one, and we haven't been privy to seeing that happen on screen. So this was the big moment they had been building to mm-hmm. with Angie having to do the hack. And when you finally get it, I think it's very simplified that people are going to be upset by that. Right. And I feel like it's hard for Esmail. He's walking a line here because he also has to make I a show it. for people like me who are like, well, wait, spell it out because right. what I mean, are they doing right now? He's also got to build like dramatic effects. He's got to build this tension with it too. And right. it can't be too easy if he's going to build it. But I think that they, they could have gone a different route with it. They, it yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit weird. I mean, I, you know, like we've been talking about how these episodes are have been so long, and I just didn't know if if we needed this these scenes building up to this, if it was really necessary, you know, uh, to fill this time in, if it could have been utilized. Yeah, they were trying to make you wonder if she would be able to do it, but I don't think they were succeeding in you feeling tense enough for her because, like we said, she has evolved into this different person, and you don't see that fear mm-hmm. in her. You're not building up to a dramatic moment where is Angie going to fumble it? I never thought at any point in time she would. Well, I never, I, I guess I didn't think she would fumble it either, but I definitely feel like uh, DePiro is going to catch on, which is yeah. kind of what happens. Uh, we knew uh, the foreshadowing was in the, the last episode where she found out that someone was on the wrong floor. So we knew that that was. That's true. Come You're right. Plus everything we've discussed with Dom, that she seems so much smarter than the rest of her team. Right. She's picking up on all these things. They laid that really thick. Yes. And we end the Angie scene here with Darlene pushing Mobley to make it happen. We now go over to a scene with Cisco, where he confronts his DA contact. We found out this guy's name is Zune, I think X U N. He's a big, big dude, intimidating dude. Chinese dude, yeah. And Cisco basically tells him he needs to know what's going on. That's the bottom line of the back and forth. Yeah, between he wants them. to know the Dark Army's involvement in all this. His Chinese is impeccable. Oh yeah, even his voice went up. Right, it's crazy. He had the right sing-song cadence. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't know the language well, so he could be doing a poor job. But right. it sounded right to me. I could still and hear the American in him. Though. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and the guy was trying to tell him to back off, to mm-hmm. just be happy knowing what you know. But he pushed it too far. Men in the dragon mask that we saw last episode come in to hold him down while the man shoots him with the needle into the fingernail bed. Breaks Dude. the needle off in the fingernail. Yeah. Oh, and uh, you see how deep he went? Yeah. Oh. All the way in. And was there actually something in the needle? It looked like it, right? Yeah. It looked Some like there was, but I didn't know if he actually pushed it in. That was hard to tell. Yeah. And he tells him, you're a foot soldier. You don't ask questions. You follow orders. Now we see the full extent of the Dark Army and the lengths they're willing to go to. So if we were questioning before, are they responsible for some of these hits that are being put out? The answer is they're absolutely capable of doing all of this. Who's scarier? 
Ray or the Dark Army? Oh, I think the Dark Army, just because they're an army. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> they have so much more reach. Yeah. So, but I mean, on a one-on-one, it's whoever's in front of you. Yeah. In the moment. True. That's they're what you're the scariest. Fear. But what do we think? Like, what is the Dark Army doing? <sighs> See, I think they're in a sense, a lot easier to figure out than Ray because Mm -hmm. it does appear that they are just White Rose's men, Mm -hmm. that they're following his orders or her orders of taking care of people that step out of line. The whole thing was that box, and I really think that they're piggybacking. They know what F Society is doing, and Mm -hmm. they're just going to... They're piggybacking. They just had this event. Yeah, they're using them, Mm -hmm. and they're manipulating them in whichever way they use, so... They're going to piggyback off of F Society's information. They're going to have control over the FBI cell phones or all the information off yeah. of them. And it's easy to blame F Society. They're the with ones it. taking the fall. And they're, and they're going to get all this information. They're going to be really interested in this information because they're going to want to know how they're reacting to them disrupting their, their, the, what uh, the FBI was doing in China, China. in the first yeah. place and how they're going to react to that. Yeah. And we do go over that to that in the next scene with Dom, where she's talking to Santiago. He says he was in his room that night, so he made it out of the attack, or that morning, rather. And Dom says she told him about what she saw at the airport, that she believes it was the Dark Army, they're responsible for this. That's why the first shooter killed himself. And even the second one, we finally find out, had her cornered. She was done, but he then killed himself as well. Mm-hmm. She's trying to make that point. Their mission wasn't to slaughter them. It was to disrupt their investigation and then send them home. Except they slaughtered everyone except for who was in that room except for her. And you got to think that that's White Rose liking Dom in their little exchange, right? Or feeling something, right? It seems like he had dumb luck. No, the guy, the other guy killed himself. He had her cornered. He could have killed her. The second guy. The second guy. Yeah. And and he didn't. He killed everyone. They killed everyone else in that room, and they just let Dom live. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I said from the beginning, I thought he was, in a way, maybe trying to recruit her mm-hmm. and bring her over to the cause. And plus, he probably knows the truth of the fact that nobody's listening to her because she is here trying to tell Santiago. She's been trying to tell people about all this stuff. Nobody's paying her any mind. Right. She seems to think that it was just to get them out. And get them off of the case. Right. But they were asking about the Dark Army. And she's the one that's really been pushing it. So if you're coming in there to kill everybody and not her... uh, White Rose is smarter than us. Yes, he is. Is he, though? She's the one that... D.B. Weiss makes dinosaurs. (laughs) That's true. Are those lots of raptors? B.D. Weiss. (laughs) B.D. Shut. D.B. Weiss, B.D. Wong. Yeah, there we go. B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong. I really messed that there up. There you yeah. go. I'm See, keeping that in. Game of Thrones thing just <laughs> keeps coming back. It was Fuck. on purpose. Easter egg. Um, no, but is he smart, though? White Rose keeping her alive? It could be she could be a good ally, but right now she's his enemy. She's on the other team. I think it's this goes back to the same thing. He wants her on the F Society case. Yeah. He wants her pushing that end and these people to be the fall guy. So she got too close to the Dark Army. Message sent. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Get back on track. And she does. Yeah. I don't think he's going to have her on his side. I think it's more like keeping her alive. He knows who he has to 
uh, follow oh, no, your enemy. Oh, she's yes. another yes. pawn. So he knows that. Okay, now we just. I know that with her, we have to get access to her phone, her computers, and right. find out what she's doing, and then we'll have this this the leg up, keeping her alive. They know who the front man is. Plus, yeah. Plus, they have he has inside information on her already, so he maybe feels like he knows how to manipulate her. Yeah, already. But if we could bring her in eventually, maybe. 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 I, don't know. I don't see that happening. Well, now we go to a scene that I didn't really understand, and I guess we weren't supposed to, with Mr. Price, where he's talking to somebody named John on the phone. Mm-hmm. Anybody have any idea who this is? Yeah, he's talking to. I think he's talking to those three guys. One of the three guys that he talked to earlier. Oh yes, about in the government getting a bailout. One of them was named John. I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's okay. the only thing because they're talking about the bailout there, and the guys yes, they are. just like, well, with all this, we can't ask China for money now. The public will be in an uproar. We can't uh, try to ask for a leave from them when they just killed all of our people. Yeah, nobody could make the bailout happen in this climate. He says. Right. Uh, we see a map of Europe in the background. Yeah, we paused it. I don't know if this had any meaning. It was behind Mr. Price's desk, and there were certain areas highlighted. I wonder if this was some kind of old military map, something strategic, maybe a nod there, but too blurry to tell. And it ends with him saying he's talking to some kind of underling who comes into the room and says protesters have surrounded the building. Yeah, uh, that was just to get his car in. And I love that he um, he says, uh, oh, man, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. It starts with a B. The, uh, who, the, he was the head of the New York City Police Department. Bratke? No, that's not it. But he they use the actual name of the head of the police department in he real life. He uses it? Yeah. Price uses it? Yeah, he says, call him up. Get as many oh. cops down yes, here he as does. possible yes. and that he thinks it's going to need. Wow. That's like where how far his reach goes. That's kind of like you'd mean to be around New York to really get that mm-hmm. reference, I think. So but, is this uh, him losing control? It seems like it. He's well, at his own building now. on getting uh, Zhang, on the, Zhang on the phone and right. he can't and he's not talking to him. There's no response. He, mm-hmm. It seems like they're supposed to be working together. To, to get E-Corp back in control, and it's all falling apart on him. Yeah, we always thought White Rose, though, had the upper hand, right? right. That eventually Price was going to get thrown to the wolves, and I yeah. think this is the start of that. I read some more stuff on the map behind them, and they're oh, saying okay. that uh, that it was a map of um, pre-1914 um, Europe, and 1914 okay. is when World War I happened, know. and it was the end of a lot of empires wow over there and that's why the highlighting area is being broken up but we already know that he's got uh some uh (laughs) interest in world war one from the The article with uh franz ferdinand yep is this the end of his empire right okay now we go start of a new one Now we go to Angie's training scene number two where she is repeating the affirmation my success is assured as she continues to prep. She finally writes that those two lines down that she She's needs to. Her <laughs> success is in with those lines. I love on Reddit they uh they they made memes of Alf at his old like <laughs> Commodore computer yeah. and yep. him quoting Angie. <laughs> That's awesome. I gotta tell you, I wouldn't have been able to pull what Angie pulled off. I would be like, I there's no way I'm going up to that floor. 
I mean, you're just not sexy enough to get it's, propositioned it's in that way. From balls more, it's the balls more than the computer skills. And yeah. that's where they really Social dropped it here. Social hacking. She, and she was able to keep her cool. And that's why they needed her. Really mm-hmm. not for any technical skills I, that she I, has. I don't think they needed her. Well, she has access to the building with an office there. You know who else has that access to the building one. that they don't talk about at all? And who they've shown in uh, the building? In the building and starting the whole virus thing? Mobley. He's their IT staff. I don't know yes, why but he the can't FBI get in. The FBI is now hot on his trail. DPRO, she the only name she has thus far linked to all of this was Mobley. Is his oh. real name is his real name Mobley? Yeah. No, it's Mobley. I think, Mobley. So. I oh, think okay. so. Okay. Well, plus it's smart to use her because Darlene is half entrapping her by saying the reason you need to do this is to get rid of that evidence that's on the CD. And that is a pivotal part coming up here in this scene where. But I feel like Mobley could just go in there at at some point before anyone's up there, or I don't know what the whole security is like, or I feel like he could have had something in there even before they Mm. came in there. They would have to talk to it about, Setting up a network You're in right. there. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a different department, but you know, still, I would think that he he would he would know that something was going on if he's maybe the mobile we saw wasn't in the main building of E Corp. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. I just feel like they like glossed over that, or that they they could have shown something. To put some deniability for for Mobley doing it. You're right. So this is the moment where Cisco enters the room and tells Darlene that they're good to go. And we have the stare down with Mm -hmm. Angie where she clearly knows him and is having an internal moment about him. And Jason, you found out more about this. Oh. Yeah, I was confused. I was like, wait, they know each other? Who is that? I, I knew right away. I was like, oh, shit. I forgot that they, like, I knew that they had this thing right away, but I didn't. What was their thing? There. He's the one that gave him this, her the CD. Oh. He gave it to Ollie. They were both there. He was trying to convince him. He's like, oh, listen to my CD. It's some great new stuff. And he's like, Ollie's like, all right, man, I'll give it a try. I've got some Twitter followers. and But if I like it, I'll put it out there. It's a very small amount of people, but, you know, I'm building it up or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool, man, yeah. But here's the other thing that I was thinking about, the stare down. He uses nude pictures of Angie. He goes on her webcam and sees those pictures, and oh, that's, that's right. Usually talks, and I'm thinking, like, is this the fury? Like, of you've course. you've seen me yes. naked. Like, what the be. fuck? Like, I can't believe you're here right now. I want to fucking got rip to be, your fucking head so off. Because there's so much going on in that look between them. And it wasn't just enough. Like, it wasn't. just... I mean, it's also that hack. But I'm one. Uh, you know, it started the whole thing, and she's the he's the reason that she's involved in this, in this altogether. But I'm also wondering about the. You've invaded my privacy. And I think that's more of an issue for her. But right. what's weird about it is that he doesn't really seem to respond. I mean, she's looking daggers I feel like he at does. him. But I feel like he does. He's just like, shit, like, what do I do here? And I thought she was going to blow up on him, but she... Oh, poor acting then. Cool. He didn't play that like he should uh, I, have. I, I felt it from him in that in that scene, that he knew something was going on and just didn't want to react to it. Like well, I, that, But that speaks to... Darlene's reaction about what's going on. So that kind of... T- I, I was thinking in the thing, does Angie think that Cisco and Darlene set her up at that point? 
I think she's got to be putting the pieces in with Darlene. It's very clear that Darlene has almost openly threatened her at certain points, that this is in part to help F society, in larger part to help Elliot. But don't step out of line because there is this stuff on you that you need to get rid of or you're going to be in trouble. And I've said from the beginning that I think this is a large part why Angie's involved in this, for her own personal um, clear her name and get out of trouble. Yeah. And not necessarily yeah. the emotional ties she has to Darlene or Elliot. But Darlene also took information off of Angie's uh, laptop in the last episode. I don't think we talked about it really, but she was running some program on Angie's laptop when Angie found her in her apartment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yes. right. Yeah. So I don't know if she's using that also to blackmail her or what else she has on her. So in the moment Angie lets this go and they all get ready, she leaves and says she'll wait for their call when she gets there. We get a short scene in between where Dom goes back to the market. We see the sign that says e-coin accepted here. E-coin already out there. Yeah. Right below Bitcoin. (laughs) There's a picture of it right there too. Oh, Bitcoin as well. Yeah. And yet it's not helping this guy. Dom asks when new shipments are coming in, but the manager, Ahmed, says he can't weather the storm. With the cash allowance that's going on, they don't have enough customers and they're going to have to close. So she apologizes. She leaves. Now we go over to the city street where Darlene has an Angie disguise on, as I call it. Yeah, it does look like that. (laughs) She's got the blonde wig, the white clothes, the sunglasses. There's a slight resemblance there. She enters a building, goes up to the floor, makes a call for towels. I really didn't know what she was up to until the cleaning woman comes up and she steals the magnetic strip, the access to the room. Did you notice this, though? Uh, When they're walking, when she's walking into the building, there's a guy holding a New York Post and it says, say cheese, Danish. And Joanne is on the cover in her nightgown in the middle of the night because she ran out looking for Tyrell. For oh, phone. that's right. Yeah. And it's, I just thought it was a funny little Easter egg there that, that they put that on the front page of the post. I like that. Yeah, definitely. So Darlene enters into the room. She sets up her station. She's got her computer. It looks like a telescope. No, it's a, it's a CAN Wi-Fi. It's a, you can enhance or... Uh, pinpoint a Wi-Fi connection and make it go for a longer range. What you basically do is put uh, a Wi-Fi card. You can even put it inside a Pringles can. And really? if you pinpoint it, it can go like miles then. Okay, so I that mean, makes my sense. My professor has told us about this, uh, Professor Malinowski at uh, LIU. Uh, he says he's caught stuff from Long Island to Connecticut Whoa. using one of these cans. So wow. it, it can really, it, like, really enhance the signal, but you have to be pointing it. So she's then pointing it at that where the Wi-Fi E-Corp. router is. Yeah. It must and not it's a getting rid of the rest of the traffic. Works very good though because yeah. at some point we'll see later there was disruption with it. Yeah. Well, that was with the router itself, not with not with her device. The router itself stopped broadcasting, so it needed to be reset. Okay, cuz at one point I remember her saying we lost Wi-Fi. Yeah. Connection. But it's not it wasn't it wasn't her device. It was that stuff. I feel like the the Wi-Fi unit that they plugged into stopped mm-hmm. broadcasting. So she's on her computer. This is where we see the Kali Linux. There's a little quote under there that says, the quieter you become, the more you are able to hear, which was interesting. And she goes on to the hidden wireless network entitled Wank. 
Wank. <laughs> now we see the E-Corp building. This is our scene of anticipation where Angie's on the computer in her office. She's using the special cell phone. We see her put one in the drawer and accept the call on the other one from Marble Cake, who yeah. it turns out is Darlene. Which is weird because Darlene just opened that from the package. So I don't know how they had the number set up already in there. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That was just something. I'm kind of watching the episode as we're talking, so I just nice. noticed it. <laughs> so she sets up, and then we see her on the elevator. That's where that song starts playing for the first time. And when she gets out onto the Fed floor, it's interesting. Everything looks whitewashed. Fed floor. In addition to the walls being white, however they're doing this with the filming, it just feels overwhelmingly bright. Um, Angie's wearing gray in this scene, mm -hmm. so that's a change to what's normally going on with her. She goes right to the bathroom, goes into a stall, and pulls out the little laptop where she starts to enter the code. But the script isn't working. So here's where she gets on the phone with Darlene. It's what we don't understand. Yeah. She starts telling her what to change, and it works. But apparently, even though it only feels like two seconds to us, she's been in there for a while. Uh, she comes out, and there's somebody coming right up to her. Yeah, it's it must have been forever for this stalker guy. <laughs> About He's how long is she going to be watching. in there? This yeah. is Agent Ross Thomas, apparently. And he stops Angie to make sure she's all right, quote, because she was in there a long time. And he's never seen her before. We come to find out the main reason is he's trying to ask her out. I mean, wouldn't it make sense, though, um, <laughs> if she's got to take a poop? She's yeah. going to go to some other floor. She's not going to be around other people. I was thinking that <laughs> the whole time. That the, like, why didn't she just say... Oh, come on. You yeah. know, I had to use the bathroom. I, didn't I knew you guys were moving out. on yeah. my own floor. I thought this was like emptied out here. I right. thought I could take my time mm. because she's really, let the bottom line is she is unslick with this whole thing. From a little, but then she's. From number on. one, where she could have played that a little number bit better. Two. So, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't so obvious with her number two. Right. To the next part where. It wasn't until the very end that she started playing up the woman wily charms to flirt mm -hmm. with him. There was moments in here with very long, awkward pauses where right. if I was this guy, I would be like, do, do you have a problem, miss? Like, she literally looked like she was spacing out, like right. dissociating. I mean, I was nervous just looking at her saying, Angie, you're not talking for like 30 seconds. This right. is not appropriate in a conversation where you've just met somebody. You look guilty as fuck. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... I don't know. I don't know. This guy seems confident. He seems like he approaches a lot of girls and maybe she was just, she knows she's not supposed to be there. And then she's just nervous she about it. But she was in the bathroom. Emotional expression. She right. had that deadpan, like deer in headlights mm -hmm, look to mm -hmm. her. Luckily, he's being a dude and he was so focused on right. checking her out and running his game that this isn't apparently weird to him. But we're going to find out later that her not being slick does end up getting her caught anyway. But I don't. I think <clears throat> that this gives her an easy out of that, and I'll, I guess I'll would if she handled it right. I'm nervous that she's not going to. She needs to. She actually all she needs to do is follow through with this. If she if she goes down and meets him right after she talks to Di Piero, it's there would there's going to be nothing there. She's like, I was talking to this guy well, up girl there. Talk. And then, she's going to have to do girl talk. Right. Like, 
I've been kind of scoping this guy out yeah, since he got to the building. Yeah. I was trying to come down and get a look at him, you know, mm-hmm. girl to Even girl. less than but that, she could just be like, I just made a lunch date with the guy, with the Ross up there or whatever. Right, but why did she come down in the first place? And that story is very easy if she was looking for him. She initially says no to Agent Thomas. And this is when, because he's affronted, he starts pushing her. What right. is she doing there? What's happening? And you have this whole scene with Darlene and Mobley on the phone in the background. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to run background checks on him to social engineer him. This was weird. They weren't able to crack hardly anything with him. He's an FBI agent. I don't know how much you know. They're I mean, there's got to be, be the some number one hackers in the world. They don't. They don't know. They can't see him. They don't yeah. know who he is. No. Well, they got his name. They got him. But no I mean, problem. they, they only have seconds, you True. know, to really do this. I mean, they did it with Bill in Iron Mountain, or Steel, Steel Mountain. Mountain. Yep. But I mean, you know, it's still gonna. It's still time. They got to find some stuff. And if he is kind of squeaky clean. Well, what are they going to do? The only thing they got on him was that his mom, he talks to his mom a lot. Yeah, and that kind of worked. They did the dummy call to his phone from mom, and it did distract him for a, second, for a second. Enough for her. Not enough to, for him to stop, though. No, but enough for Angie to recoup herself because right. she starts to realize, I don't know why she didn't get this before, that what she needs to be doing is playing into him. And she now turns on the charm, and it works very well. You would think in planning this out, Going into a whole floor of FBI agents that they would go over what to do, some kind of story, some kind of background, unless they're setting her up to get caught. This was the most important thing. They're not doing that, but they really needed to work out more than the code because it would have been better if just the they wrote down the code. Right. She uh, she had nothing prepared. Right. She literally couldn't even think on her feet of what to say to this guy. And then when you go to the next part where they make a date for lunch the next day and he leaves. No, they made it for in a half an hour for that day. She said she couldn't do it tomorrow, but they're oh, going to. They, she she's said like, the next day. No, she said, I can't tomorrow, but what are you doing? What are you doing for lunch? She says. Okay, well, but anyhow, then she goes over and she needs to swap the network cables. Now, how did they know? There was literally not one person in this whole office. It was Where it seems before we saw the office swarming with people. I understand they just lost all of these people that got killed on their mission there, but this is the FBI. Exactly. They have hundreds of agents. This is a major case they're working. There would be more than three people. Yeah, there are so many cubicles in this office, and I just... There are a lot of things that I didn't like about this whole scene. Why did they have a six-port wireless router underneath this desk? I mean, if you've got this many stations, you're just going to have... And why do they have to do that in the first place? Why do they need a router there when they're in E-Corp? They're, I that place know. is totally networked out. They might need it because they need their own security, but I would think that they could control that a little bit better than having just a router underneath the table, you know? It looked very disorganized. And for a minute, I was thinking, surely somebody's going to notice this. But yeah. it doesn't look like anybody's noticing anything except for Dom around there. Right. And uh, she just barely sees her. And then... <laughs> nonetheless, um, Darlene tells her to wipe her prints from everything, which she does. It looks like everything is working and she's about to leave when Darlene says they've lost the connection. And she's telling Angie to go back to her cubicle, and she will talk her through getting everything back up. 
And she doesn't want to do this at first. She's starting to get nervous. You could finally see that kicking in a little bit for her, but this is when Darlene says it's the only way to wipe the evidence of what she just did. They can't (laughs) even take out the security cameras showing the fact that she's incriminated herself yet again unless she follows through with this. Just, again, with this, they're only going to be there for, what, another day? Who's or something that? the FBI they're out of there soon how soon. much information are they going to get from one day it seems like they're putting an awful lot of risk i think they would have gotten more information out of the rubber ducky than out of this i uh, think them taking you're the cell right phones. but i and think and they're going to find this piece of equipment yeah i think their main day. their main goal here was to wipe these specific things of what was on there for Elliot and Angie and the security cams that just caught her doing this to try to get out of these specific incriminating things and not so much to get a ton of information on the right. FBI. Okay. But whatever they can get in the meantime would be great. I kind of think, yeah, she should have done the other thing as well. This, But this is just so much risk for a day. It mean, If they're out of there in a day, they're finding this in a day. They're finding this unit. They're going to figure out what it is in, in no time if so. they don't know oh, what yeah, it is right away they're yeah. going to start packing it up you and they're going to so. and if if anyone sees her even this guy that's going out on the date once he finds out well this girl was on the floor this is the only lead that they would have she would yeah. be the only suspect and like i was saying she got out of it eventually but she was kind of being super obvious in right. the beginning of the interaction even this guy as dumb as he is can think back later and say she wasn't here just to use the bathroom or cuz she was looking for me right okay so we have a couple of scenes left for this episode we go once more to the not hospital masters we all have them Every relationship's a power struggle. Some of us need to be controlled. Once in a while, the best course of action is to just ride shotgun, stare at the road ahead, and hope it leads somewhere you want to go. Where we get the line, Masters, we all have them. Every relationship is a power struggle. Some of us need to be controlled once in a while. The best course of action is just to ride shotgun, stare at the road ahead, and hope it leads somewhere you want to go. And this is when the men come in and grab Elliot out of bed. I wish uh, he's looking at a painting in this scene, and I really wish I would have uh, looked at it more. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I have it up now, but I don't really know the story behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that there that there's information here about the scene, maybe Probably. about Masters, but... I, I'm not. I just don't know. So if uh, if uh, someone finds out any more information, you know, hit us up. Hit us up. Yeah, we can talk about that in our next episode. We go back to our last scene at the E Corp building. Angie is running through her last bit of sequencing here with the USB flash drive, putting it into the back, plugging it into the machine. They tell her to hold F12 to boot from the USB. Um, and then when the desktop comes up, she's supposed to open the terminal, click on the icon, and type something in. What Angie is typing in here ends in USA.com. So this is, mm-hmm. we think, the link that was actually able to go to, and they repeated it twice for us, just mm-hmm. in case we didn't catch yeah. the whole thing. Did you guys go to it? Not yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to but it. But we have the full <laughs> address to it. It's a tel- It's like a telnet thing and you can enter some passwords in but there were a few different easter eggs for that in this for going to different websites 
yeah, uh, with information. But I don't think I don't think I got that far on this one. I think it was more the there was a code earlier in the first scene of uh, when they first do the intro song in the for the Mr. Robot uh, '90s TV show mm-hmm. on the subway, not subway, I'm too long in the city, on the highway sign. It's a IP address that you okay. go to, and that leads you to uh, another Telnet type session, and then there's a whole bunch of different uh, pictures and stuff you can see. This is where Angie's in the middle of typing when Dom interrupts her, mm-hmm. and Sorry. we yeah. find out about <laughs> what's going on. The fact that Dom's up to her, this is certainly going to be a topic of interest in the next episode. I just love that she's right in the middle of doing something that she's not supposed, obviously not supposed to be doing. She's still completing this, and you can see her freak, kind of freaking out mm-hmm. in her head uh, when when Dom approaches her. But I really think that she's got an easy out of of this. I don't think she she's that smooth, this. and she's just staring at her. Which was a weird That's way. That's what I'm saying. She doesn't <sighs> handle these staring. situations uh, right. But she can kind of pull, like, she can be like, well, I'm in the middle of the port and coal. What the fuck are you interrupting me for? Kind of. It but, should be easy. But right. the way that she's been handling herself, she is so obvious yes. about everything. And now we go to our final scene with Elliot. Like we said, the men came to drag him out of bed and they bring him into this concrete room where they then leave him there. They close the door and Mr. Robot appears again. This is the part where Elliot tries to stand up, basically stumbles and falls into his arms, starts crying, in fact, thanks him. Great. He thanks him, and then he fully engages in this hug with him. Mm -hmm. And the one tear rolls down Rami's face, and it was awesome. And he, again, is looking awful here. Yeah. But we cut now to the two of them are back in the car, and it's Mr. Robot and a younger Elliot riding in the front seat, We see that Elliot has a huge bruise on his cheek and find out that he got into a fight at school and didn't tell the principal his side of the story, which Robot says it's okay to tell his side and he'll always be there to listen, but he won't force it out of him. And at this point, he tells him he has something to share, which is embarrassing. He talks about Mr. Fitch, his supervisor, who recently called him into his office and started reading off dates. Because of those dates, his contract is being terminated. He's being let go. And we do find out that those dates were all doctor's appointments where he had to leave work early. He tells Elliot that he's sick. He's been trying to keep this from everyone. So apparently he's the first one he's told. Uh, He promises Elliot that he will never leave him, which has tones for the long-reaching future. Um, He says he doesn't want to dwell in the past, though. He's taking him to the place where the future is going to begin, and he's going to open a new computer store. He even says that Elliot can work there, and his first assignment will be to come up with a name, the first thing that comes into his mind when they pull up. Elliot loves the idea, and his dad tells him one thing, just keep the illness a secret for now, and especially don't tell mom about it. Don't tell anybody about it. So this is sort of massive foreshadowing and ominous tones of what's later going to happen with Elliot and his family and the implications. Uh, But he says, again, remember the first thing that comes into your mind when we pull up. And Mm -hmm. as we pull up, this cuts to the end of the episode. Um, This was the first episode, the first episode of this season where I was like, ah, it's over. 
<laughs> Almost every episode last season, I was like, I I was so upset when the episode ended. I just wanted more. All I wanted was more. And this is the first time that I had that feeling this uh, in this season. So I was very happy with this episode. But uh, this scene, uh, I saw some people saying that they didn't need this scene, that this scene was unnecessary, that we already knew everything that they talked about other than him naming Mr. the store Mr. Robot. I mean, well, we find that out later. But I think this is talking, this is more about Edward Alderson's character. Uh, I mean, not like who he actually who he is. is. Yeah, not Elliot's interpretation of him. And that brings up more questions about did he push him out the window? For me, it seems like they're you're seeing a part of him, and it seems like there's unconditional love here, and that he wouldn't push him out of the window because he released a secret. He, he, I feel like he's very understanding. Yes and no. I saw two sides to this. So I definitely saw him being very fatherly and feeling for him about what's happened at school and not pushing him, telling him, you know, he's be there for him. But there were some weird parts like with him telling the complete truth to Elliot about what's going on. Right. This is a little bit shocking and traumatic An to lay on a kid. <laughs> yeah. That there's a serious illness happening to the point that you're losing your job over it. I mean, yay, very exciting that we're opening up a computer store. But even a kid at Elliot's age knows that he is working this secure job his whole life and now suddenly it's gone. And on top of that, he's not allowed to tell anybody that dad's sick. And I think that's going to continue to ripple out throughout Elliot's childhood. And the fact that he knew that we know later is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be the start of the traumatic event that we've been talking about is him being the only one to have this knowledge. And if he tells it, he's going to be in big trouble. The relationship between him and his father could be jeopardized. You know, his mother is going to be upset if she finds out that he knew this whole time and she didn't. I mean, it's just what we call in psychology triangulating. Right. Mr. Robot has just put him in the middle of this emotional right. triangle. And that's not healthy for a boy this age. No, I agree. Uh Definitely, because look at the perception that Elliot has put his mom under. She's punching Darlene in the face in Mm -hmm. this happy zone. They never put her in a good light to begin with. So Mm -hmm. there's obviously abuse or something going on there. Then you have the Mr. This, him asking him, this Mr. Robot, maybe the only one that Elliot trusts in the family fully, like the guy he looks up to, his father. And for him, if he reveals the secret to his mother who seems like the most awful person in the world uh it's got to put it would put a tremendous pressure and heartache on Elliot where that could be part of the reason that this happens and maybe the first time that Mr. Robot shows up even before his father actually dies mm-hmm. and Mr. Robot pushes Elliot out of the window and it's not well See, I still think that if he's seeing his mother skewed overly negative, which we have to believe is not the full reality of her character, I think there's a good chance we're seeing his father skewed overly positive. And a lot of times the reason that a child does that black and white is they're Mm -hmm. not able to cope with the reality of what the real situation is. So I think that there is definitely still more to learn about Mr. Robot. And there has to be a reason why in Elliot's mind, when he chooses this part of his persona that's split off from him and has to do things that 
yes, require being charming and being intelligent and taking control and all those great things that his father does. It's also the persona that does horrible things to people and deeds that Elliot is not even capable of owning up to himself. So there's a reason why Robot was put on to that too. And I think we're going to find out more. And, and thus, going back to what you said, it is really helpful to get a scene where we actually see Mr. Robot, even if somewhat skewed, in a more realistic manner than just a yes. part of Elliot's mind. I agree. I think it may be, just like you're saying, skewed. I think Elliot needs Mr. Robot right now to be hit, like, there for him. So I think it's overly nice right now and I, I think it's not the exact memory and this is fun what if he doesn't say Mr. Robot to name the, the store oh and hmm. then we find out something different why it was changed to Mr. Robot hmm. that would be weird interesting okay so do you want to talk robot rating episode six just to refresh your memory IMDB gave this a 9.8 Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 100 percent all right my rating my bot rating for this one is 9.8 this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, this is why I love the show. It hits close to home from the 90s references in season one with the computer store and the music in the show to this crazy episode with 90s-style commercials and Mr. Robot as a show in the ALF universe. Uh, it, just, it just hit so close to home, and it still kept the beat of Mr. Robot. It didn't, like, totally... It's not a throwaway episode. Mm -hmm. So they still were... They managed to put this awesome thing in and still make it fit perfectly within this dark storyline. Mm. <clears throat> well, I give this a 9.2. I'm only down slightly from last episode, which was my favorite episode of the season so far. I gave it a 9.4 last time. I do absolutely love the beginning of this. I thought it was a great way to handle the whole situation, and I love the last scene of the episode. I thought everything else in between was definitely a bit lacking. I was underwhelmed by the Angie hack and the fact that that didn't make a lot of sense. And then the other scenes, they were running through very quickly, introducing people that I couldn't remember who they were. And by the time I figured out what was happening, I was lost as to what was going on in the scene. And then they were on to the next scene already. And I just felt frustrated and overwhelmed at the reality parts that were happening throughout. Um, it also did seem to feel just a little bit long again because of the going through so many things. I still think Esmiel's having a hard time tackling that, reining things in. He's got so much info, so many plot lines, so much that he wants to put out to the world, mm -hmm. but he's not pacing it well. He's like a kid that got excited and wants to open all his Christmas gifts at <laughs> once. So I do love the show. Uh, but I also found a quote that sums it up well. Master Slave served up both situation comedy and drama, a time capsule to the glory days of the 80s and 90s, and was more creative. But if you are hoping for answers, forget it. Definitely no answers. And I, I think you're right with your synopsis of it being so much to do or so much to take in. But also for our listeners who don't know, she's taking copious notes while mm -hmm. watching it. So she's <laughs> yeah. like... Her brain is firing. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, but that was also happening last episode, and I was excited. Yeah. So I think there's a slight difference, and I, you know, I'm still a 9.2. I thought it was great. I love this episode. This is my favorite episode all season so far. I said that before, that this is the only episode so far where I was like, 
oh, I need more. I need so much more. <laughs> so I'm so sad that we ended right here. Just a little bit more. Just give me any more. Um, so I always like to give myself a wiggle room. I, I can't give things perfect scores right now unless I really love it. But I like to have uh, something for if another episode Tops really it. wows yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a 9.5. Oh. Happy penguins in my happy place. Nice. <laughs> but uh, I love this episode, best episode this season so far. I thought there, I thought even though they didn't give you straight all the answers, and I feel like we're going to get answers next week from the preview that we've seen, I feel like they alluded to these answers and there was a lot to go on and you could kind of uh, imagine or you could kind of put together or work it out where these were going and theorize your own things on them. So I, I like the, this episode a lot. Yes, and we did get a little bit of a preview for the next episode. I also found out this will revolve around the 4th of July. So Mr. Robot and Elliot try to make nice. F Society releases a holiday video in honor of Uncle Sam, and Darlene oh, acts on a desire from long ago. Episode 7 will be titled Handshake. I guess that's got to be... Elliot and Mr. Robot coming together, right? That's got to be them really like breaking it down, or I think, you know, yeah, I think that'll be the main topic one. of yeah. that of them working uniting. Together. But we see that the episode titles have been good with the far reaching metaphors right. that he brings in. Oh, we have a few more segments. I'm going to save some for later because we're pulling, we're going a little long again. Uh, Clatcher's comments. We can't not do Clatcher's comments because yes. it's our favorite part. Um, I want to th- send a thank you to Bugbear224 for giving us an awesome review on the Mr. Robot channel on iTunes. Thank you for that. It's really appreciated. And uh, Vicky asked us a question. Do you guys think that Price is losing control of Evil Corp? That is what it seems to me is happening. I'm not sure what will become of him, though. Definitely. Definitely. We, think yes, we did touch upon that. Yeah, yeah, we went over that a bit in the episode that this seems to be the beginning of the end. And as far as what happens to him, I could see White Rose using him as a scapegoat. Yeah. Well, for anything, the that guy he needs said, to. he says in the episode, Price, though, that the entire economy is going to fall apart, that we're going to go under as a country. So it, it's a rough position for this other guy, John to be in to say no we can't do this because of publicity with china what will the people think but right. the alternative is the entire economy falling apart mm-hmm. it's rough they own e-coin can't they just like give themselves a, th- a billion e-coins <laughs> it's like the federal <laughs> reserve just to a great start <laughs> they tried that in germany once they were they were wallpapering the walls with notes with their really? money yeah they it, the they would have to run from the time that they got their check to the store, because by the time that they got to the store, their money would have decreased mm-hmm. so much. Oh my goodness! That they they couldn't afford anything. Jeez. It was crazy. Wow! Uh, shout out to Kellyanne. Uh, thank you for your support on Facebook and for suggesting Patreon.com. We took a look at it and we had some questions to throw to your listeners, but we're gonna we're gonna save that for another episode because that's gonna get long. We. Uh, there's a lot to figure out with Patreon, and uh, yeah, I don't want to get into it right now. Yeah, <laughs> we, thank you, Killian. We have thoughts about it, but we're we're gonna look a little more into it before we pose our questions to you viewers. 
We also got a longer comment from Michelle that I really loved. Some of it we talked about already, like the halfway house theory, a place where people are semi-confined yet allowed to go out and interact. Could that be what's going on with Elliot? She also found some Easter eggs for us that we did not find so far. She says, I don't know if you noticed the book on Elliot's small desk table in his room. It is Resurrection by Leo Tolstoy, the last book published before he died. Tolstoy kept a journal of his life, just like Elliot is doing now. The book is a criticism of social injustice, religion, the extent to which people will go to obtain money and power. All these concepts are represented through the trial of a woman accused of prostitution. Tolstoy abandoned his wife and family out of desolation and lost identity, not fitting with society, as mentioned by White Rose when describing the painting to Di Piero. Um, that also fits in very well with what we talked about last time with the Van Gogh painting mm -hmm. and him feeling desolation and searching for his identity and place in life, as well as it being a common misconception that that was his last painting prior to his suicide. So most likely not, but popular belief is that it was, and that would fit in with this book very well. Oh, that's really interesting. That's a great catch. Yeah. It's a great catch as well as her other one, which was about the red lights. In Krista's new look office, which we have not gone back to mm -hmm. Elliot's therapist yet, but there's a red lamp on the wall that was not there last season. All season, the presence of red lights have predicted someone's death. Perhaps Krista will be the one killed next since she pretty much knows everything about Elliot. Hmm. I did see that as, as the light being a representative of them not being in Krista's actual office. Mm. That it was like... In his head. It's, it's, uh, she's in another, they're in another room and he's making Imagining it up. He's it. not getting rid of everything right. Uh, nonetheless, I did hear that about the red lights, though, that they seem to predict deaths for this season. And I didn't personally have a chance to go back yeah. and take a look. But red if that's lanterns, the red case, lights, yeah. it could be really bad news. And I do see that Chris is not really fitting into the bigger storyline yet. Right. But once that comes into play, she does know too much. If somebody like Ray finds that out, I think that he could perhaps be the one to go after her. So that's a really great theory. We haven't seen Krista in a few episodes, though. So, I mean, I don't think that Elliot's spoken to her about, obviously, his dealings with Ray or, like, him deciding to work for him. It was more, the last time they talked was over the chess game. Yes, and her next point is actually about that. She says, I still think when Ray and his bad guys pull Elliot out of bed is another one of those long dream sequences like we had on episode four of season one, mm -hmm. which is why Mr. Robot did not show up. Having said that, we can't forget Elliot is hacking the FBI using Ray's computer, which he will most likely use to incriminate him later on. I agreed with those points, but it seems now with this episode, it's a little yeah little that that might have been turned around. She actually sent us these comments prior to right. episode six. I, I, yeah, I assume that. Um, she also says, "I love your podcast. It helps to understand episodes better when watching for the second time." I have no one to discuss the show with, so you guys are friends to discuss it with. Would love to hear what you think. Oh, I hate to hear that you have no one to talk to. About <laughs> I it. know oh, it's so frustrating. And she had some really great comments, so I'm glad we got to read them out here and discuss them. I, I love the catches. Thank you for the Easter eggs, and we'll definitely keep those things in mind. Yes, thank you. You guys rock. Yes. couple things. Telltale Games, they've created, I don't know if it's real, an eCorp messaging app. I was going to play the video, but we don't have time. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to see this awesome video, it's an eCorp commercial kind of mm -hmm. for a messaging app that 
uh, Telltale Games is going to make. You can check it out on our Facebook page, Coffee Clatch Crew, or on our Twitter. I have a link there at CKC Podcast. It's it's cool. It's worth watching. Coming August seventeenth, the new eCorp messaging app for the for your iOS or Android mobile device. Follow at eCorp Messaging on Twitter for more details. Together, we can connect the world. <laughs> Another fun fact: August seventh, Mr. Robot won the TCA Awards for Outstanding New Program, Television Critics Association. That's what TCA means. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. They're gonna win. They're gonna kill it this year. Yeah. Again. Hopefully. I don't know. This season's been slow so far, so... Yeah, not getting as great of a reception as season one, although still doing really well. They could save it and then pull through with this. Yeah. This was episode number six? Yes. So there's four more? Well, there's one double, right? Yes, we have seven through ten being regular episodes, Mm -hmm. and then 11 and 12 are like a part one and two, as they did with episode one. Also, I didn't want to interrupt you guys when we were talking about Ross Thomas, the agent that was flirting with Angela. I think that I got pulled away from that scene a little bit because this guy is... He was so dreamy. He's an FBI agent (laughs) in Limitless, which is a TV show that's on CBS that unfortunately was canceled. You can check it out on Netflix. I love it. It's based off of the movie Limitless. You take a pill and like you're super smart. Mm. I think Netflix might pick it up Mm. if they get enough watchers. So check that out, and you can see uh, Ross Thomas as an FBI agent. And then last thing, I, w- I really wanted to go through it. but we- That's really funny, actually, because Alf used to show up in other shows in the 90s. Oh, yeah? Yes. Was his name Ross Thomas in? No. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been so great. No, it was Thomas Ross. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys go to whoismrrobot.com, you have to check it out. It's It's beautiful. Oh. Yeah, I went uh, earlier today too. I can't believe the level of detail they're going through. It's insane how yeah. much work they put into this. Yeah, so it signs AOL in just anyone? like AOL exactly. Definitely based off of this this episode because yeah. they, they showed that in the commercial. And then you get a um, very uh, Windows ninety five Windows, Windows ninety five with Alf or ninety eight yeah uh, background wallpaper, and then a a cool saying hello friend uh, here we are again. Go to the website so you can read that. And do yourselves a favor and click on the uh, icons on the homepage. Yeah, on yeah the all desktop. of them. If you go to my briefcase, they have articles that are JPEGs. And these are these three articles are the three ways the, those people died in the fun society. society. Arcade. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. all the names that went by before that, all the previous owners that we found out about on that episode. You get uh, some cool images under downloads. It's a list of FBI agents that, that yeah. uh, Romero, Romero saw. Yeah. And a great gallery and just a bunch of more stuff. Uh, just check to yourself. They actually, have if you fun. go into the Telnet and then you go through list, uh, it'll, you can look at the kernel panic code. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, it's, there's a log for it. So, yeah, this is meant to be interactive. Go sign on, have a little bit of fun, and check it out. Let us know what you think. That's it for this episode. Thank you for hanging in there with us. And again, thank you, Clatchers, for writing in to us. You guys can all feel free. Contact at Coffee Clatch Crew Podcast. And until next time, this rounds on me. Sometimes I feel I've got to uh, uh, run away. I've got to uh, uh, run away. What? Still recording? Oh, shit. Write a review. <laughs> <laughs>